Welcome to the Food Therapy Podcast, where we talk honestly and openly about mental health, diet culture, BS, and food freedom. We're your co-hosts. I'm Brittany Modell, owner of Brittany Modell Nutrition and Wellness. And I'm Lauren Sharp, owner of Empower Method Nutrition. We are food freedom registered dietitians who have struggled with mental health, poor body image, and disordered eating behaviors. We are on a mission to dismantle diet culture, normalize conversations around mental health, and empower you as you heal your relationship with food and your body. Let's get talking. Hello, and welcome back to the Food Therapy Podcast. I am so excited to introduce Gabby Valdez today. She is a dating coach who helps people find their person to enjoy life with. So welcome, Gabby. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Yay. I'm extremely excited to dive in. I feel like this is just a topic that's relevant for everyone. And totally. yeah, so really yeah. excited. Yeah. So do you want to tell people kind of about the work that you do and how you even got into this work? Yeah. So my background is in life coaching. I also have a master's in behavioral psychology and analysis. So that's more of like, I've always had an interest in relationships, but in my personal life, I was just so obsessed with dating, intimacy, relationships. Like when I was out working, I was like reading up about it, like Esther Perel, Ken Page, like uh, the school of life. Like I was just so fascinated by what makes people tick and what makes people attracted to other people. And like, how can we make our relationships better? So the reason why I became a dating coach is because I struggled for decades to figure out what type of relationship was really fit for me. I also learned about like was like a decade ago, I learned about like an anxious or different attachment styles. And I was uh, anxiously attached and that made dating and relating really difficult. So like feeling anxious, looking at my phone constantly, just it impacted my everyday life. And so when I learned the skills of intimacy, learning how to actually filter out people who aren't good for me, um, learning how to actually like open up and be vulnerable around the right people being discerning, like everything changed. Like I consumed so much information in like two decades and then immediately just like things clicked when I learned like, oh, we'll dive into this deeper. When I learned the skills of intimacy and how to have like real relationship skills and it all just clicked. And I know what it's like to go through heartbreak and just go through situationship after situationship. So now I love helping my clients streamline their search for love so they don't have to struggle for two decades like I did so that they can actually find a partner to build something lasting with, like have a real genuine connection with each other. Love that. Also, have you read the book Attached? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that, Lauren, have you ever no, read? No, I've never so heard it, of it. It truly like changed my entire mentality and mindset around dating. And I actually am also anxious. And I realized that I was avoiding, I was dating everyone who was avoidant. Mm. And if you are an anxious personality type, like you or dating type, you really should never date someone avoidant because you will always, it will bring out the anxiety and like the anxious attachment style. So I'm, I ended up with someone who was secure, which is like not surprising why that works out so well. Could you actually go into like the three attachment styles, like the anxious avoidant and secure? Just yeah. So what does yeah. avoidant even mean? Cause I know I'm definitely yeah. anxious. So <laughs> Yeah. So like, this is all grounded in like psychology. So the idea is like, we first learn how to love based on our childhood. And I'm actually going to like quote Harville Hendricks on this. And he's like, we are attracted to the positive qualities as our caregivers, as well as the negative. So like, I hear this a lot and I'm going to kind of going to go on like a little tangent here, but I'll come back to attachment styles Um, is we, so we're drawn to the positive qualities and we're also drawn to the negative qualities. And I hear this a lot with singles and they're like, I fall for potential instead of reality. So what's really happening is like you're gravitating towards these sexy and familiar and alluring, like confident characteristics, but you're also attracted to maybe like the coldness or the distance, or I'm going to prioritize work over you. Like you're still attracted to those qualities. And what's Mm -hmm. happening is you want to go back and rewrite history. 
Like you want like justice to be served. You want to feel whole again. That's the main motivator as opposed to feeling broken. Like you're like, I just want to learn how to connect with myself and other people. So I'm going to continue dating avoidant types maybe, right? Or anxious attachment, right? And you, when you, like you have this moment where like, eventually they're going to pick me eventually they're going to come around. Eventually they're going to choose me. And that's your brain holding out hope, falling in love with potential rather than reality. But then oftentimes we end up getting hurt. Oftentimes we fall for the wrong people. Oftentimes we get disappointed. So I'm sharing that to say like, there is a lot of inner workings that are happening in terms of attraction. And so when we have, like, if you're an anxious attachment, typically in childhood, maybe you had a a parent who wasn't, you know, present for whatever reason. So you learned how to cope with your reality by being more anxious. Like something feels off. I, then I need to learn how to like regulate myself. I don't feel safe right now because this person is not here. And then also when we think about avoidance, it's like, I learned how to protect myself. I learned how to take care of myself because I learned everything that I love always leaves. So maybe you also had a parent that was maybe there or maybe wasn't there, but like, wasn't actually like present while they were with you. Right. So it just depends on like what happened in your child and with secure attached, you've learned that I can rely on other people and I can also do my own thing. Right. So like avoidance, it's like, I need to take care of myself only. And I can only depend on myself. Anxious is like, I, I'm so drawn to other people, but I haven't learned how to like feel safe on my own yet. And we hear this a lot with attachment styles. We hear like, oh, this is like something that we need to fix. Like something's wrong with you. I want to challenge that perspective and say like, nothing is wrong with you. You've learned how to cope with some really hurtful or traumatic experiences. And you're really learning how to protect yourself. It's there for a reason. And when we can become aware of that, we're like, oh, my anxiety is coming up for a reason. It's a signal that something is off. Maybe I need to change who I'm attracted to, or maybe I need to be in a different situation than I am in now. Yes. Wow. Yes to all of that. There's anxious, uh, avoidant. What's the third one? Secure. Cure. Okay. So is there like a certain compatibility? Like is an anxious person usually better with a secure person? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I, as a, I was anxiously attached um, and I would just go after avoidance. So that's kind it's called the anxious avoidant trap. And that was just so exhausting for me. I would always get burnt out because I was always the one planning dates. I was always the one putting in effort. I was always like, bending over backwards. And that's, that's not common. I hear this a lot with singles. I hear this with my clients too. And they're like, I'm, I'm just, I really want them to like feel taken care of. I feel like I'm losing myself or I need to get, do these things in order to get them to choose me or to love me or to like need me. Um, And that's where we get caught in the anxious avoidant trap, which is so addicting. It's so enticing. It's so (laughs) enticing. And, you know, even if you were someone like me and Lauren as well, who have generalized anxiety, it picks it every vulnerability that you have. And so if someone you know, didn't text me after a date, my mind would start to spiral Mm -hmm. or if I didn't hear from someone after a long weekend. And so, yeah, I mean, it's, it is a trap because I feel like people get stuck in this because you, you really want to be accepted. You want to feel like loved and all those things. But when you're dating someone who's avoidant and you were anxious, like chances are, you are not going to really be happy in that situation. For sure. So in practice, like what does someone who's avoidant look like? What does someone who's secure look like in terms of like relationships? Mm -hmm. So I would even focus more on the feeling. Mm. So if you're dating someone who's avoidant Mm -hmm. as like, say as an anxious person, you're going to notice that in your body, like Mm -hmm. your, your shoulders are going to be up. You're going to feel tense. You're going to feel maybe jittery. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes we associate that with like the spark or like butterflies in my stomach or like I instantly was attracted to this person. I know um, that they're my person. So that's often like our body, our nervous system being activated and being like, this is familiar, but also this is like the thing that I need to win over. I need to get like, you're going to notice. And then also I hear this a lot with anxious attached um, people. And they're like, I can, I can know 
when something shifts energetically without the other person saying anything. So trust that feeling, like trust that feeling. And then in terms of like secure, you're going to notice that you're going to feel more calm. You're going to feel like you're inspired by like who this person is as opposed to like, I guess, impressed. Impressed is like, oh, like look at all these accomplishments. I can't believe they have this job versus being inspired by like, wow, this person's really kind and generous and like caring and available. And I will say, if you are anxiously attached, it's it's going to be kind of like a culture shock, right? Because you're so used to avoidant types that like a secure type, you might be like, this is boring. Or maybe like, I have, like, I'm kind of disgusted by this person <laughs> or like, why do they like me? What's wrong with them? Right? Like you're going to have those feelings. <laughs> Gabby, everything you're like, truly everything you're saying, I'm like, yeah. Like if you saw my head, I'm just going, yes, yes, yes. It's so true. It is culture shock, especially if you're not used to being treated a certain way. It's like, wait, yeah. what, why is he text? Why is he actually texting me back? Or why did he say he had a good time last night? Like this is yeah. so strange. Oh my gosh. I remember when I first started dating my boyfriend, Austin, and we like went out one night and the next day he's like, Oh, I'll text you. Like after the day drink, we met in college. And I'm like, okay, like see you never. And he texted me after our day drink. I'm like, okay, he's been drinking. And like, he probably has all these other things to do. Like he actually texted me and wants to hang out. What's going on here? And it was such a culture shock for me. And I was like, Oh, okay. I can get behind this. (laughs) So beautifully said Lauren. So like, you're going to feel like a priority. Yeah. Um, it yeah. like, doesn't matter if like, you know, cause the opposite is like, you don't feel prioritized friends work, mm-hmm. social life comes before you. You're an afterthought. Right. So like, you can really tell the difference when someone's like making an effort, checking in, holding space for you, not expecting you to be perfect or polished. Like you're able to be your real self around them. hundred percent. And it's healthy, right? Like what you're describing is a very healthy relationship. So I'm curious how would you define a healthy relationship or healthy love? Yeah. So I love this question, especially because I can relate to my clients. Like, I don't know what healthy love was, right? Like, and I would turn to movies or like advice from friends and it it was just really confusing, right? So like when I think about healthy love and I've experienced this myself, I've seen this from my clients, I've seen you know, that even in shows now where that's starting to show up, you're like, wow, like that's really healthy versus like, um, I don't know if you all watched, um, beauty and the baker, no. <laughs> but I'm like that show is like, Oh no, I'm like not at all attracted to this person anymore. So you can really change who you're attracted to. Mm. Um, so in terms of defining what healthy committed relationships look like, again, like the most important thing is like, you get to be your full self. You're not showing up censored. You're not filtering things out. And what I mean by that is you're not like something really like hard happened to me at work today. And I need to figure out and tiptoe around my partner to figure out when I can bring it up or if I can even bring it up Mm -hmm. or like commitment or assurance. Like I'm feeling really anxious right now. I just need assurance my partner that they're like here or that they're, they, they're here to listen to me. So in, in a committed, in a healthy, committed relationship, you're not, tr- you're not afraid to ruffle feathers because the person that you're dating has shown you time and time again, that you can trust them, that you feel safe. You both feel safe to be around each other, as opposed to holding things back or waiting to bring things up at the right moment. Cause there is no right moment, right? And you don't want to be living your life or your relationship where you have to constantly monitor what you can say and what you can't say. Mm-hmm. And then also there's this like sense of freedom that you have like emotional freedom, but even just like freedom to explore like outside of the relationship. And what I mean by that is like your partner is not controlling, emotionally controlling. They're not threatened. They trust you. Um, you're able to have a life outside. So a- autonomy is really important because then you're able to like, also then come back to the relationship and bring and add more things in. But then also especially if you're anxiously attached, you need that assurance, right? It's like, if I feel insecure, anxious and and insecurities are all normal. We all have like hurts and wounds and disappointments. Like we're all showing up insecure in one way or another. Of course, there's like a different uh, degree to that. But at the same time, like your partner is going to provide verbal assurance, Mm. give you affection, um, ask what you need and then do their best to meet that. So it's really about having that freedom to be in and out of the relationship, 
having that autonomy, being interdependent is like a nice word versus like codependence or too independent. So you're relying on your partner. They're relying on you. It's like this healthy reciprocal exchange. Mm. Yeah. Makes so much Love sense. That. Makes complete sense. I am so intrigued by attraction. So I want to talk about attraction, like, because I think a lot of times, especially in this kind of goes into Brittany and I's work with just body image and like how you look. And I think growing up a lot of times it's enforced in us that like the popular people are the pretty ones or the, you know, all of those kind of stigmas that surround our society. And we're led to believe that attraction is so physical, right? So how do you go about discovering what you're attracted to beyond the physicality of things? Because that's not going to be forever, right? Bodies change, faces change, we get wrinkles, you know, all the things. So how do you go about even discovering what you're attracted to? Yeah, such a good question. I want to say like our culture tends to, yes, over-prioritize physical attraction. Like that takes the throne when we're making decisions for like a life partner, which is just like, that just like completely goes over my head. Like, why are you choosing someone based on that? But so when we think about attraction, it isn't black and white. It's, it's a spectrum. So like when you think about like the tens, the nines and tens, those are like, you know, too hot to handle. Like I got to have this person Um, like that's the person I feel like an initial attraction to versus maybe like the zeros and the ones. And you're like, I'm not all attracted to this person. And then there's like this beautiful middle. So when we think about the nines and tens, and this is all personal to you. Um, and what I mean by that is like, maybe you've had a type, maybe this type is like this mysterious, aloof, distant musician, artist, you know, whatever, or entrepreneur, like whatever your type is, they're like on the nine and 10. So those are the types you typically fall fast and hard for, and they often never work out. So then you feel like you're burning out. And I hear this a lot with dating and they're like, I'm so tired of dating. I can't date online, but that's because you're dating the nines and tens. You're going to burn out. You're going to likely be single if you keep going after those like hurtful or traumatic attractions. And then oftentimes what happens is like, well, that didn't work out. So I'm going to quote unquote settle and then go to the other side of the spectrum where I'm going to like go for someone I'm not at all interested in. And then what happens is you feel lonely. You don't feel satisfied. You feel like you're shallow um, or superficial. And then you end up like going all the way back to the other side of the spectrum. You keep kind of going back and forth until you burn yourself out and you're like, I'm actually done. I don't want to date anymore. Right? So the, the, the missing piece around that is the, again, we learn who we're attracted to by, you know, our childhood. So it's really actually about healing those wounds, healing those insecurities that we have, healing where we feel like we're not whole. So like, and how do I identify this? I love this question by Ken Page is like, what hurts your heart the most and what fills your heart the most? So like, for example, if something uh, like say commitment is something that hurts your heart. Like when you put yourself out there, someone wants to play it cool or not define things that really hurts you. So you actually have a wound around commitment or abandonment or rejection. And you actually need to like work to heal that. And the way to do that is actually by discerning between who is a good fit for you and who is not. And then learning how to let the right people in the people that you can show your committed side to. That's when we create opportunities where we're like, oh, the committed side of myself can feel safe. I can continue being this person as opposed to feeling triggered because you're dating people that don't want to define things, want to go with the flow. And you're constantly triggered to the point where you can't heal because you're constantly dating. You put, you're putting energy towards something that's hurting you. So you can't, you can't heal and hurt yourself at the same time. You need to like devote your energy and attention to healing. And so the reason why I'm bringing this up is because it's such a complex thing, but like in conventional dating, we're just like, you're either attracted to them or not. And I've listened to that advice before and it's gotten me nowhere. (laughs) So like you can actually change who you're attracted to. And a great example of this is like, maybe you had, you know, maybe in your early twenties, you were like, attracted to a certain type of person. But then now, like maybe in your late twenties or early thirties, you're like, I'm no longer interested in that kind of person because, 
over time, I've gotten hurt. I've set boundaries. I figured out what I value, what's important to me, what my non-negotiables are. Mm. And I've gotten to the point where I'm no longer interested in people who don't want a relationship that don't want anything casual. I'm only interested in people that do. Right. And so that's kind of what that looks like after we've really like healed and also figured out what's really important to us. So the more that you cultivate the things that you maybe are uh, like a little bit timid or embarrassed to share. So like commitment or you speaking up, being opinionated, you being passionate, the more you're likely going to be attracted to someone that has also cultivated those same things. Mm. That is so interesting because, and so that like early twenties versus late twenties and whatever age it is, like people change and we get different interests throughout our lives. Like how does that play into relationships? Right. It's like, Oh my gosh, I've chosen this life partner. And now our, you know, I'm having different interests than he or she is. You know what I mean? Are you saying like, in terms of like hobbies or I don't know, like when you say (laughs) changing, when you say changing, like the person that they're attracted to, right? So you had a different Mm. attraction at age 20 versus age 29. Like how does that play into attraction in general, I guess? Hmm. I'm I'm trying to understand that. So like, (laughs) um, (laughs) it's a good question. I'm just trying to like make sure that I'm fully grasping it. So like, Lauren, are you talking about like the physical attraction or are you talking about like the emotional attraction? I guess the emotional attraction, but maybe that's something that doesn't necessarily change. So we can change our physical, romantic, and emotional attractions. Yeah. Um, And so I'm trying to think of an example of this. So like in my mid-20s, I was attracted to, you know, guys that were like really artsy, but like were really into like alternative music or like under underground music and like I felt really ashamed for liking like pop music or like anything mainstream right and so we dig deeper we kind of look and see like okay well where did I feel like scared to show part of myself like I was maybe scared to show like oh I actually like mainstream stuff or like I like having I like watching reality tv shows right so it's like even though this like surface level thing, like this is just the first layer. And when it, that, when it, that's what I mean by surface level. Like this is just the first level where I'm like, oh, I don't want to like show this part of myself because I'm afraid I'm going to get judged or he's going to leave me or he's going to make fun of me. And then what happens is like, I end up suppressing this part of myself. But as we uncover deeper, we look at the next level and it's like, oh, I have a wound around speaking up and I have this desire to be heard. And so I will continue attracting people that maybe don't listen to my needs or don't want to know who I really am or don't want to or make fun of me for liking certain things until I fully like heal this part of myself. That's actually like, it's cool that I like reality TV. And like, if you're going to make fun of me, I'm not going to feel safe in this relationship. So you're actually not a good fit for me. Mm -hmm, So like, as opposed to being like, the guy that I'm dating is right. Like, it's stupid. It's silly that I like these things or like, it's silly that I like am really ambitious. Like I hear that a lot with like the women that I coach are like, I have these passions and I'm so interested in like my business or like social justice. Like I love having an opinion about things, but I'm dating people that only talk about themselves or they don't want to know who I am or they don't ask deep questions or they're not actually hearing me. And so we're noticing, like, we will continue dating certain types of people until we fully learn how to, like, heal and accept and love these parts of ourselves. Because once once we do, it's like, oh, I have a lot of opinions. I'm really passionate and ambitious. I'm no longer going to go for someone that judges me for having big dreams or criticizes me for having, you know, passions outside of work, right? So you begin to change who you're attracted to once you figure out like what's really important to you, what wounds you need to heal in order to become essentially the best version of yourself, because that's when you can navigate dating with like a clearer mind, as opposed to being like, this person is showing interest in me and they're the only person who's going to see me for me. And then kind of like getting stuck in that, in that place. And I've been there. I know what that's like. So it's just a, it's a different dynamic, a different approach to dating when you've really like healed and like learned 
who you're attracted to. And of course, like, as like another example of this too, is like, I hear this with singles are like, I am not attracted to the nice guy or the, you know, the kind guy, the available guy. But as you start reckoning with like the wounds that you have around commitment or availability, you're going to become more attracted to someone who is like kind and generous. You're going to lose your taste for someone who's like, sees you once a month or doesn't text you back. Or if you express your needs, they're like, oh, it's just like, it's not a big deal. Don't worry about it. Or like, you know, like you're going to start to notice who's good for you and who isn't. And you're going to develop a taste for the people that are healthy for you. Did I answer your question? (laughs) Yeah, no, it definitely makes sense. Cause it sounds like basically it's almost like you come of an age or at least a point in life where you actually start to honestly step into who you fully are. And that almost starts to attract the right people into your life. So I was going to say like, is there usually a certain age or is it mostly because like, obviously the people I dated in high school are like, not whatsoever aligned to what I needed, but because it was a lot of it was like physical attraction, I feel like in high school. But then once you date more and you learn and you step into more of like who you are and who you want to be, that makes sense. Yeah. And it's like, you're learning along the way you're tweaking who you're interested in, who's a good fit for you. Cause like your base, every time you date someone, you you're creating an opportunity for you to just collect in more data or more yes. experiences. It's more information. I love you that. date this person. It's not a waste of time. Like you're dating this person. You're like, I like this about this person. I didn't like this about this person. Or even like, I didn't like who I was when I was with this person. Now I'm going to take what I've learned from that. And then, so it's like wisdom, it's earned wisdom. And then we're going to move forward and then navigate dating and find someone who's a better fit, which is actually a very healthy way to approach dating. Cause actually like 90% of people that we meet and are attracted to and have chemistry with are not a good fit for us. And I share that not to be discouraging, but actually to motivate you and inspire you and let you know, like you can be discerning. You can give yourself permission to end something that doesn't feel good or right to you. Like you can actually be with someone where you feel safe, where you feel connected with this person and you don't have to hold on to something that might be like an almost their attraction, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And I think that's really good advice to use it as an opportunity to collect data. Cause I even know my friends who are single get so frustrated and they feel like it's just constant disappointment, every single bad date they go on, but exactly what you were saying, like to use that, collect data, figure out what it is that you really are looking for. Because I forgot who says this. Everyone always says like, it only takes one person, right? to find the person that you really want, but it can get overwhelming, especially with like dating apps, which I would love to dig into. Mm. And I know you had mentioned this too, but the dating scene has just changed so much. And I think in so many ways, dating apps have been a blessing. I've had so many friends who've met on dating apps, but it also creates this convenience where I also find that people don't necessarily take dating as seriously. So it's like, you can always go back on the phone and swipe again and find someone else versus, you know, meeting someone in a bar. So I'm just curious, like what you tell your clients about dating apps and in terms of like even creating a dating profile, like what information are you trying to put out to the other person? Yeah. So my advice is to be yourself a hundred percent, right? So again, like ask yourself, what do you feel silly or embarrassed to share? put that on your profile, right? Like I've had, I've had clients that are like, I'm, you know, I'm really into intuitive eating. And it's interesting too, because we'll go back through their dating history and they've tended, they've dated people that like are really into diet culture, mm-hmm. right? And it's like, oh, that's so interesting. It's like, you want to be able to put your true authentic self forward, even though it's scary. Cause I know that you've had past experiences where maybe you've spoken up, shared things about yourself and it was rejected or you felt hurt. So then you created ways in order to get some connection without being your full self. So, but that's actually doing a disservice to you and to the person you're dating, because what happens is you're going to play it cool. You're going to put on a persona. It's going to be exhausting to maintain. And eventually what happens, maybe it's three months down the line or a year or two, three years later, you're going to feel lonely or you're going to feel like, misheard or misunderstood. And even the person that you're dating, they're going to be like, who are you? Like, 
when did you change? But then you're like, this is really me. (laughs) (laughs) So my advice is like, be yourself, even though it's scary. So like, if you're really into like intuitive eating and like positive, like body image, like talk, talk about your passions. That's the most important thing. So like, if you're passionate about, you know, maybe social justice or, um, you know, meal plan or whatever it may be, right? Like whatever you're passionate about, like pop music, reality TV shows, like put that in the profile. So a way to filter that out is like, does this feel like me versus like, am I only playing this to impress another person? Mm, right? right. Because when we're in that impressing mode, we're going to attract people that aren't the best fit for us. It's only effective if you want to find someone who is emotionally distant, unavailable, aloof, doesn't want commitment, right? Because the thing is we're putting on a facade either intentionally or unintentionally for good reason. We want that connection, but we're only going to attract people that are like, that are interested in this certain type of person where like they're independent, they're playing it cool. They're going with the flow casual. Like that's only effective if you want that type of relationship. Right. So if you want something fully committed, Mm -hmm. be, yeah, put the things that you let show your true self on your profile. So going along with that, I was also thinking about photos. And so I've had clients and even friends who they're like, I don't have any recent photos. Like I haven't taken any good photos. My body has changed during COVID. And now I feel like I'm putting out a false picture of who I am, which makes me insecure for when I go on a date with someone and they're like, well, that doesn't look like you. So obviously we want people to put on put up photos where it's their here now body, but any advice for people who, you know, maybe don't feel confident in their bodies or feel, you know, insecure about putting their bodies on the internet. And I'm just curious, like, you know, what your thoughts are on that. Yeah. And I think you bring up a really good point, whether it is, you know, um, an image where you're like, that's not an accurate depiction of me, or that is an old photo, right? Or, you know, I'm not exactly 100% confident in my body, right? It's like, if you're going to put something that's not you, you're going to feel insecure, though, right? Like, you're going to go to that date, and you're going to be like, or what are they thinking? Um, like, how should I show up? Should I feel be more charming in this situation? Like it's good. You're that situation that you're going to put yourself in is going to cause a lot more insecurity and anxiety because you're maintaining a persona. You're not being your true self. So the thing about like, you know, sharing photos or even sharing certain responses, like being able to, to know I'm going to attract the right fit partner by being myself. So whether that is someone you know, with, um, like a, a different size or a larger size body or, mm-hmm. you know, a normal size body, right? Like whatever that comes up for you, like you have to be able to be like, okay, like the right fit partner is not going to judge me for a physical attraction. They're going to like, want to know who I am, like on a deeper level. And you're just weeding out people that are going to like judge you based on your body or your physical looks. Right. And like, you're the type of person that wants like a really deep connection, And you're going to get that by being yourself. Yeah. And bodies change. And so Mm -hmm. you want someone who isn't just dating you for your body anyway. I actually had like a really traumatic experience. I went on a date and at that point, like my body had changed and I didn't feel like I wanted to change my dating app profile pictures. And I remember getting to the date and he looks at me and he goes, you do not look like your Facebook photo Mm. that you put. And in that moment, I felt so insecure, so horrible. I felt judged. And so I do think it's important to put photos. And it wasn't like I, what's the word when people, I did not catfish. Like I didn't look (laughs) that different, but I guess to him I did. And I just remember feeling really crappy, but by the way, like he so was not my person on in so many other ways, but that is just such an indication. Like if someone is going to judge you and make you feel that way on date one, there should never be a date two. Mm -hmm. Here at the end. Exactly. Exactly. That's so hurtful. That is insane. I would have said goodbye. Um, (laughs) I, so what are, speaking of that, like if somebody's going on their first few dates, like obvious, I guess this is more individualized, but what are green flags versus red flags in terms of feelings, right? Not obviously characteristics because that's different for everybody, but in terms of like how you're feeling. 
I love that. Question. Yeah, I can actually speak to the feelings and some signs too. Um, also, if your community would benefit from that, I have um, six easy checklists that help you filter out people that aren't serious about the relationship yeah. where it, it walks you through like swiping, talking, and then hanging out regularly. Love it. So, like, Let's you'll put be them able... in the show notes. Yeah. Yeah. So in terms of like green flags, I'll say like they're enthusiastic. So like they message you, they're taking dating seriously. Like uh, also this is assuming that you want a committed long-term relationship, Mm -hmm. right? So they're responding, they're responsive. They're asking you deeper questions. They remember the things that you shared. So like whether that's mirroring. Mm -hmm. I just want to pause right here because I know you're going to say amazing a million things and I'm going to forget, but I have friends right now that are dating and it's like, there's always the excuse of, oh, he's a bad texter. How do you know if he's a bad texter versus Ooh, just good question. responsive? Ooh, <laughs> such a good question. I feel like this also even relates to what you sent me in the email about like, no one's perfect. Yeah. So this is the same thing with like being a bad texter. Mm. Are you justifying hurtful behavior? Like, or are you like coming from a place of like actually feeling compassion, empathetic with this person because you have like emotional, because you're safe with this person. Mm. Um, so like there's a difference, right? Like they're just a bad texter or no one's perfect. Are you, are you speaking from a place of apathy? Are you speaking Mm. from a place of resentment? Are you, are you justifying hurtful behavior? Are you getting hurt and you're not feeling resolved? Mm. Um, are you like pushing down your feelings? Are you not vocalizing your feelings? Like those are some really great ways to like identify Like, are you speaking from this place of like hurt and apathy and just justifying it versus like, you know, no one is perfect. You're right. Um, But are you speaking from a place of like, okay, this person that I'm dating is like committed to like actually working through tough things in our relationship? Mm -hmm. Have they vocalized that? Have they shown me? Are they telling me that they're committed to me for the long term? So I can actually feel safe in the space that we've created as a couple to then work and navigate on those things. It's such a different energy. That one feels Mm -hmm. more expansive. It is challenging, but like you feel safe enough to work on things Mm -hmm. as opposed to feeling triggered, feeling anxious, feeling insecure, and then continuing down the cycle because they're just a bad texter. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I can relate to that. The last person I dated was a terrible texter. He told me that. Um, and I would see him like once a month and like in my head, I was like, this is okay. Right. And I just remember we finally became exclusive and I was like, yes, he finally picked me. And then three days later, I was like, I am way too anxious. Mm. But the thing is, I think he's nice. He is a great guy. He's finally committed to me, but my anxiety is off the charts. Right. And when I actually like broke it off with him, I felt so relieved. I was like, I don't want the type of relationship where I'm an afterthought, where he only likes me because he thinks I'm super independent and that he only calls me maybe like twice or every couple of weeks because he's a bad texter. I was like, this is not the relationship for me. So like, the question is like, what does it cost you if you're going to justify someone being a bad texter? Does it cause you peace of mind? Does it cause you, you know, anxiety? Totally. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like it's the overall energy and overall, it's not just, oh, he's a bad texter. Okay, but is the bad texting like making you that anxious? Or is it like, I accept this part. I believe that he's a bad texter and I can express that and maybe he'll work on it or whatever, right? Yeah, like there's some repair to that vicious cycle. Mm -hmm. It's not like I'm a bad texter, he's a bad texter and he's not going to change. And that's just how things are. Right. (laughs) We're like, maybe I'll throw in like a phone call during, you know, because you can tell when you're being prioritized. That's like the main thing is like, are you being prioritized? Are they open to repairing things? Like, as opposed to feeling like you're ruffling feathers or like open to hearing your needs, they receive your needs well. Mm -hmm. Um, So green flags, they plan dates. (laughs) They want to know who you really are. They mirror things back to, they acknowledge the things that you say. Um, some red flags, it feels like a monologue. You feel like you have to like chase them down to make it to plan a date. You feel like you're the one constantly giving, giving, giving. Mm. Um, the, the opposite of that's the green flag of that would be like you give, but you're also receiving. Mm. So like this person is being generous with their time, their money, their affection, 
um, their, you know, verbal affirmations, like this person is generous and you're then now tasked with learning how to receive that intimacy. So that's actually how you can tell to the difference between someone who's good for you and someone who may not be good for you. If you're constantly giving, 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 Hmm. even in the early stages, even in the middle stages, that might be a good time for you to like reflect and evaluate. If you're in a scenario where you are giving, but then also you are feeling a little bit uncomfortable because now you're on the receiving end, like this person's offering to drive to you and they live like 30 miles away or like they are offering to um, cook you dinner, right? And you're like, oh, I want to deflect this or like they're only doing this out of obligation. Like you're, that's you realizing that this person's giving to you and you're like, I'm not used to this. This is scary. So like, just notice the difference between giving and receiving. Love it. So let's talk about that. Like no one is perfect piece. So every person, like we said, is going to have flaws. So how do you decide if those flaws are someone not being compatible to you versus being realistic about actually dating a human and not a robot? That's just going to be every perfect thing that you want. (laughs) Yeah. So this is such a good question. And I want to preface this by saying like, you can grow by being inspired and feeling safe and nurtured by another person. Mm. For so long, I often thought that love was like challenging, but I, the way that I defined that was like, you know, no pain, no gain. Like if I wasn't getting triggered constantly, then like it meant that I wasn't growing or like this was just another lesson I needed to learn. I need to learn how to self-regulate more or like not be so like clingy or anxious, right? So once we like, shift that it's like okay my anxiety is here to teach me a lesson this person's actually not a good fit for me Mm -hmm. then we can kind of figure out like who the right fit is right so being able to like see those differences is like one of the most yeah one of the most important things amazing going back to I feel like we're jumping all over the place but I know I love it though (laughs) I love it too so going back to red flags poor communication style and lack of prioritization. I would love to talk about ghosting because I think that this is a new phenomenon that has plagued our generation. You know, I don't, I mean, I, you know, I can't really speak for my parents and grandparents, but it's, I would hope that people didn't leave people at like a restaurant or a bar and stand them up. But I'm so curious, you know, first of all, how, what do we do when we, when we're ghosted? Like, should we, respond in a way to like make us feel better because I feel like for so many people, they want closure Mm. and they want understanding. It's like, why did I get ghosted? When in reality, like that person clearly isn't worth like any additional energy or time. So I want to hear your thoughts on ghosting and like, why do we think people do it to begin with? And how do people feel less hurt when it happens to them? Yeah. So ghosting, I mean, that's actually like, well, first of all, I feel like everyone has ghosted at one point. So like, I want to like say this from, or maybe you haven't, but I can certainly, I certainly have. (laughs) Um, So I want to say like, if you have ghosted, there's no judgment here. And then also it is like an opportunity to reflect on your ability to be intimate with another person, Mm. right? Like, are you afraid of being close to another person or having, you know, showing who you really are to another person because you're scared? Right. So like oftentimes what happens with ghosting is like we're afraid to have a difficult conversation. We're afraid to tell them we're not interested or we're afraid to say that we are interested, but we're actually like scared shitless right? of like being in a long term relationship. So oftentimes it's like fear kicks in and we're just already out, you know, already out the door for the other side. Right. So that's like also like showing empathy for people that Mm -hmm. are in that position. However, that does not mean that we're condoning that behavior. It's like, okay, this person just like intimately, like we're not at the same level and that's okay. So you're actually not a good fit for me. So I'm not going to spend any more time trying to, you know, get that closure or prove myself. Cause if we're in that cycle, that's more like, again, the, the nines and tens attractions, when we're trying to scratch that itch, we're trying to prove ourselves, we're trying to get closure to feel whole again, that actually may not be the best use of your time. It's instead being like, why am I attracted to this person? Why do I keep going after this type? And maybe I need to change who I'm attracted to. So like in terms of also managing expectations around ghosting and thinking about the app, it's like 10% of people 
will say hello back to you. So that means like one out of every 10 matches you have, like really? one person really? is going to talk That's to you. Wild. Holy yeah. And so this also shows like, even though we're on an app and we're looking for love, we sabotage ourselves, mm. right? It's like, there's, there's like likely like a handful of people that are like available, re- you know, ready to be in a relationship, but we sabotage. We're like, oh, there's someone else. There's someone better. Like, so it's really about, getting in really clear about like what you're doing on the app and why are you like on an app because like you're bored or because you really want to like scratch an itch, find that person. Or like, are you on there dating with intention and like really trying to connect with other people? So like dating and dating app is just like any other tool, like just like Instagram, you can like consistently scroll or you can like intentionally connect with other people on the app. Right. So I, this goes against what conventional dating advice says. Dating is actually not a numbers game. It's a numbers game. Again, if you're like, you're going to burn yourself out if that's true, right? Like you're going to keep dating again, the same times of people getting hurt and disappointed over and over again to burn yourself out. Dating is actually pretty strategic because again, we're thinking about attraction. We're figuring out who is better for us long-term, which means that we're filtering out people that are not going to be good for us. Cause we've learned that lesson. We know what that looks like. We listen to our gut feelings. We don't ignore the red flags. And even though we're getting fewer matches, they're more in line with you. They're more high quality. So then while you're dating, it's like, you're even taking it like a step further. So like if you match with them, you're still being discerning with your time and energy And then maybe you move on to like a virtual date and then you move on to like an in-person date. So like you're, you're allowing this to be a sustainable practice instead of burning yourself out, dating people that aren't good for you over and over again, which can be really tiring. And that's actually a very common mistake that's happening on dating apps right now. That's why a lot of people hate dating apps. (laughs) Right. And it's like never ending. It's almost like, this is like a weird analogy and I might be off with this, but Lauren, I'm curious if you feel this way. It's almost as if you were taking every single nutrition client that needs a problem solved instead of actually honing in and, and figuring out who could work with you the best. So if you're seeing people with like renal disease and a cardiac issue and want to lose weight and all these things, it's like, that's not who you're meant to work with. And like, you know, even in the sense of dating, it's like, if you're dating all these people who you are likely never going to end up with, you're burning yourself out to meet those people who you, you could really meet and, you know, end up with. Mm, So true. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like you need to find your like niche person who yes. has all of your like characteristics in the niche that you specialize in. Right, right. <sighs> I love that. That's definitely like the things that I've learned with business also show up in dating and other yeah. parts of our life. Like you can't, you're not for everyone. Not everyone's for you. Yes. And that's a good mindset to have because again, it's about being discerning with who you spend your time and energy with, whether it's like, yeah, a certain client or like a person that you're interested in or dating, you can't go out and be everything for everyone. You're just going to be exhausted. Yeah. And for Mm -hmm. some reason that mentality is so hard for people to understand. So it's like, even if you can acknowledge like, Oh, I don't like everyone who likes me back, but the idea that there are people who won't like you can be really hurtful. Yeah. So I'm curious, like what your advice are for the listeners who are just really lacking in confidence with dating. Maybe they have been, you know, badly burned or like they just feel burnt out from the whole dating process and they were just want to settle down with someone who they love and they are lacking that confidence. What would you say? Yeah. So two things come up. So again, like everyone has like their insecurities, everyone has, you know, their certain wounds. So if you're beginning, you're like just starting dating, like you're like, just got to have a long-term relationship or I'm just jumping on the app for the first time. I just want to remind you that everyone was a beginner at one point with the app. Like if we wait for all the lights to turn green, we're going to never leave the driveway. So like see this as an experiment and then try things out, you know, try an app, try a certain um, opening line, but like really come from this place of like, this is authentically me. I'm saying this because this is like a true representation of myself. And then if you've been on the apps for a while and you're just like constantly burning out, like this is a time to like then step back and be like, who am I attracted to? Why do I keep going after these people? What parts of myself still feel like silly or stupid 
or embarrassed to share and then start dating from that place. Like start being basically unapologetically you. And then the way to get there, the way to sustain and continue like becoming the best version of yourself is actually by acknowledging your feelings, right? So like part of this practice is like, I'm feeling anxious and it makes sense because, right? Instead of being like, I'm anxious and it's because I'm anxiously attached and something's wrong with me and you know, no one's ever going to like want to be with me. So I need to like only date this certain type of person. So what's really interesting about this is like, we don't shame ourselves for being hungry or tired, right? Like if you're hungry, you're going to go eat something. But when we're feeling emotions when we're feeling anxiety or stress or like disappointment or confusion, what happens while we're dating oftentimes is like, I'm going to internalize this and make this my fault. Mm. It's my fault that I'm anxious or I'm triggered and all these things, but it's so much more than that. You're actually like in an environment that's causing you to feel anxious or not good enough or not witty enough or whatever the n- enough is. So when we think about that, it's like, we're depriving ourselves from food, from oxygen, from love. Like if we're starving and depriving ourselves from a healthy connection, like, of course, we're going to feel anxious and activated. So it's really about then discerning. It's like, are you going to go when you're hungry, right? When you're hungry for connection, are you going to continue starving yourself? Or are you going to go after maybe like a moldy piece of bread? Or are you actually going to go for like the freshly baked sourdough, right? It's like being really discerning with how you're nurturing your body. Mm -hmm. Also how you're nurturing your connections, your relationships is so important. So like I, yeah, when we're dating, it's like, Oh, this is my fault. I'm the one that something's wrong with me, but it's like, no, no, no. You're actually not giving yourself what you need. Like you need to actually give yourself like a nourishing meal as opposed to thinking it's your fault that you're hungry. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And I, I would agree with that. There's definitely a lot of self-blame that's attached to when people are single. And I will also say for the listeners who are listening to this, you know, even if you aren't necessarily giving yourself permission and honoring your hunger, because in some <laughs> cases people don't, right? Yeah. And that's, that's so much of the work that we do, but it's so true. And I absolutely love the analogy, even of like, are you going to choose the moldy bread or the mm-hmm. freshly made sourdough? Yum. so I think this is a great question to kind of wrap up on but speaking of just like society standards and all of that kind of stuff uh there's so many expectations I think when I think when it comes to uh dating and relationships right so the media and movies and even comparing ourselves to friends relationships they make it seem fairy tale us when you find the one right so how can you separate those expectations from reality and like what if someone is getting in their head and they're like i don't know is this the one like how can they confirm that almost yeah it's about creating experiences where you're learning how to be in a healthy relationship especially if we're used to watching certain or hurtful or toxic relationships on TV, it can be hard to discern, or maybe we didn't have examples of that growing up. Mm -hmm. And so like for my clients, I have them like reflect on when they felt safe, emotionally safe with another person, whether it's like a friend or maybe a therapist or a mentor, like you felt like you could be your true self with them. Mm -hmm. Really figure out like what that feels like in your body, really figure out how you show up differently and what makes it possible for you to show up that way. So like maybe this person checks in on you, maybe this person um, like just holds space for you and your emotions, right? So like that is a great example of you practicing emotional intimacy with a friend and then let that be your standard, right? So like as a, you know, when you're dating, it's like, we tend to like lower that bar. We're like, oh, it's not possible. Or maybe like, it's only possible with friendships, but actually that's like a choice that you're making. It's like only date people that you feel you're like your true self with, you feel really safe around. And then in terms of like, again, distinguishing between like reality and potential, it's like, have like a really, you know, clear mind while you're navigating dating. So actually like for my clients, I take them through, through like four stages. So like healing your wounds, identifying them. Then the second stage is like 
identifying your values, the gifts that you bring into the relationship, and then also figuring out what specific relationship you need in order to thrive. Then the third stage is really like learning the skills of intimacy and dating, like, because there's actual skills that you can apply to make your search for love a lot easier for you. And then the fourth stage is finding and maintaining that healthy relationship. So like in these stages, you're actually creating real opportunities, real experiences where you're like, I feel safe with this person. Or like, I'm dating someone new and I've never been attracted to someone like this before, but wow, it feels really good to be around them. And I feel like myself, that's how we get closer and closer to healthy love when we actually have those experiences. So if we don't, we're going to continue, you know, going after the thing that we're most familiar with, right? Like a fish is immersed in water. They're not going to realize that there's an island like a couple hundred feet beyond, right? Because they only know what they're used to. So just right. swimming in the water. So part of the work that I do with my clients or what I would encourage you all to do, if you're single, you're looking to figure out what a healthy relationship is really tune into how you feel around your friends or people you feel safe with. Let that be the standard. So then you can start creating, you know, real dating experiences where you're surrounded or you're dating people that are really like kind and warm and generous and like are available. Mm -hmm. So I feel like you need a dating show because all of the dating shows and the reality shows are so surface level. It would be so interesting to watch a show where people are like actually being matchmaked is that well, a word? there was a show that came out during quarantine oh oh my god what was it it was oh, on netflix when you Indian matchmaker no 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 i love that show though there was something else where you couldn't was... see them and you were like talking to them behind a wall exactly love is blind yes <laughs> love is blind oh my god okay talking about healthy love Mark is like so healthy. And I forget the woman that the blonde girl. Yeah. She was definitely sabotaging and pushing away healthy levels. Like, no, he's free. And Mark is now married with child. Really? And, and the wife looks a lot like the, (gasps) the girl that pushed him away on the show, which is, by the way, I follow every single one of them on Instagram. That's hilarious. A lot of them are still dating, which is amazing. That's for Mark. Yeah. yeah. Go Mark. Mark is thriving. Mark, do you want to come on the podcast and tell us about your love story? <laughs> yeah, All that right. was an entertaining show. Well, this was amazing. I feel like I could go on for days about this, but I am curious, sort of like a fun question. How did you meet your current partner? Yeah. Um, so I actually like hired and invested in my own dating coach. My dating coach is actually yeah, Ken Page. He's a psychotherapist. He's just like an overall amazing human being. So that's actually where I've also gotten a lot of my training from. Um, and the reason why I became a dating coach, cause I was like, wow, this stuff really works. Yeah. <laughs> so like I, I worked with him, learned, yeah, the skills of intimacy really changed who I was attracted to. And then I found the love of my life in six months. And yeah. like, that's, wow. it was crazy. Cause like two decades of dating, like the same types of people and maybe some improvement, right. Or they were like the, almost their attractions to like I mean, there's a whole like phase of like certain types of attractions. I won't get into that. Maybe that's like part two. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> but like within, yeah, six months, because it's really like about tangible skills. Like our skills for dating and intimacy. It's, it's not something that's just like, you know, left to feet. Like there are certain actions or certain relationship skills mm-hmm. that you can implement in the here and now to make your search for love a lot easier mm-hmm. and also make sure that that person's the right fit for you. Like, and, and being on the other side, like my relationship is nothing like I've ever experienced before. Even the process to attract him was so different. So like, it really helped to have not only a coach, but a community of people to like mirror things back or like change my entire perspective around dating. They really challenged me. It was a safe container for me to do that. So that, that really helped me. <laughs> I love that. And that's so encouraging too, that actually putting the work in and, doing a mindset shift could truly lead you to your partner who you're so happy with. So that's incredible. Thank you. This was so fun, Lauren and Brittany. Well, tell our listeners where they can find you because anyone would be so lucky to work with you. So tell people where they can find you and work with you. 
Yeah. I mean, I hang out a lot on Instagram, so you can find me at Gabrielle Valdez. And then also at my website, GabrielleValdez.com. Amazing. All right. Awesome. We have to have you back. Yes, for sure. (laughs) Bye. Thank you so so much. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Food Therapy. If you enjoyed what you heard and want to support our podcast, please subscribe, hit download, and share it with your community. We value your feedback. If you feel inspired, please leave a review. Let us know what you've learned and what you would like to hear next. All information about this episode will be linked in our show notes. New episodes of Food Therapy come out every Sunday, but you can stay connected with Food Therapy all week long by following us on Instagram at foodtherapypod. As a disclaimer, this podcast should not replace therapy or working with a registered dietitian. Thank you again, and we'll see you next week.